Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And I got something for you today that I feel like is, is important. It's important for me. I think it's important for you. It's important for people in general. And I want to start this off before I even read this. I want to start this off by just making it known uh, again. And I want to do this regularly that I believe that the Bible is not just an old antiquated book. I believe the Bible is alive. Uh, the, The Bible says about the Bible, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That means it has the ability to make incisions between what we think and who we are spiritually on the inside, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow. And it says, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's the only thing that can get to the heart issues of our life. So to me, when I'm reading the Bible and I'm teaching, I'm not just telling you what I think. I'm telling you what God has given us in this magnificent book that is his way of viewing the world and it should be the lens through which we perceive the world as well. So I have a very high view of scripture and I try very hard and my biggest prayer as a pastor is that I never try to bend people to my opinion, but that I'm always saying, God, show us what your word means so we can live as people that are faithful to your word. And that's what I really wanna do through this today. This one may sting a little bit, but that's okay. We need that sometimes, don't we? Uh, But I believe it's going to be good. So Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've got a message for you today. It's called the yokes on you. All right, Father, thank you for your presence today. I ask in Jesus name uh, that you would just let your Holy Spirit continue to remind us of who we are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person that's watching online Oh, that's tuning in today, that the power of the Holy Spirit would just be with them where they are to remind them of who they are in you. God, I thank you for the opportunity as believers to wake up every day and to be able to step into the destiny you've called us to walk in as people who reflect the nature of Jesus. Let us do that today. Let your word come alive and give me the ability to communicate this in a way that honors your word and honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. There's a motivational speaker uh, named Jim Rohn who was a really great guy uh, in terms of his, his content was phenomenal. And he said something that I have heard quoted over the years. I hear it a lot in sports, in the sports world, but I just think it is really, really true. He said there are, there are two kinds of disciplines in life and two kinds of pains in life actually, that, that you, you will experience, and both of them are unavoidable. So look at, look at someone next to you and say, pain is unavoidable. That's not fun to say to someone. 
uh, because most of us are conditioning ourselves at all times to avoid pain at all costs. Uh, I don't work out as much as I should. Uh, and I mean, it, it's evidenced by the fact that I have a pulled hamstring right now. Um, do you know why? Do you know why? No, neither do I. I mean, that's, that's, why, that's, how, that's how you can know you need to work out more is when you're sleeping and you go, ah, and, and you go, what happened? I pulled my hamstring, how? And then you go, well, I mean, sleeping, I guess. You know, I, I guess, I don't know if I had a dream that was really intense or whatever, but the truth of it is, is that pain is unavoidable, but there are two kinds of pain. There is the pain of discipline or there is the pain of regret. So right now I'm experiencing the pain of regret. I wish that I was more flexible. I wish that I rode my bike more. I wish that I did not pull my hamstring by sleeping. So I'm experiencing today the pain of regret, which could have been prevented by the pain of discipline. So the bottom line is you're going to live with some level of pain and that, that is not, I'm not a naysayer. I'm not being negative by saying that. It is just a fact of life. You're gonna constantly be investing yourself in something that is gonna produce great results or you're gonna be sitting by the wayside observing what everyone else is doing and asking questions like, what could I have been? What could I have accomplished if I was willing to put the time in? So I love that concept of the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And I think there's a spiritual parallel to this idea. First of all, I think that's a great concept in general. And I think that can help you uh, in a general sense. I know it's not the Bible, but I think that can help you in a general sense uh, to invest your time wisely, a, a good wise idea like that. It's not counter biblical, it's, it's great. Uh, but I think there's a spiritual idea here that is, that is even more powerful than that. And we find it in Romans 6. Now, the phraseology and the language might sound a bit offensive uh, uh, in, in any, any, to any free person. But the, you know, have to remember the time that it was written in. That's important to know. Uh, but here's the language. It says, Romans 6.16, don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So in this analogy, Paul is essentially saying the same type of thing, where I'm saying pain is unavoidable. He's saying that serving someone is unavoidable. You are going to serve someone. That is what Paul is saying. He says, you are a servant. You say, no, I'm free. I, I do whatever I want to do. Well, that means that you serve sin because sin is disobedience and we are supposed to be righteous. We are supposed to be connected to who God wants us to be. So if you say, well, I serve no one, I serve myself, that means you serve sin. So you are either slaves to sin and to your old nature, which means you do whatever it is that you want to do, or you are a slave to righteousness, which means that you can't help but follow after who God has called you to be, to do what he wants you to do, to be pleasing to him, either death or life. It says it right here. It says, whether you're slave to sins, to, slaves to sin, which leads to death. Somebody say sin leads to death. Please get that today. Let's please understand that 
a sinful life always leads to death, death to your dream, death to your vision, death to relationships, death to your body, death to figurative things, physical things, anything that is not God's will always leads to death. But it says you're either slaves to sin, which leads to death or obedience, which leads to righteousness. That is the alternative to death is righteousness. What is that? Right living. It's the way God intended for us to live. Romans 6.22 later on in the chapter says, but now that you have been set free from sin, somebody say, I'm free. You're not trapped in that sinful lifestyle anymore. And, and believe me, it is a trap. Doing whatever you want to do is not freedom. It's a trap. It, that's, what it, that's what this is telling us. It's saying you're a slave to living the way you want to live. And that means you go from pursuit to pursuit to place to place. I'll, I want to go to church this week. I don't want to go to church this week. I want to read my Bible this week. I don't want, I don't want to read my Bible for anymore. I just, I'll, I'll have someone else do it for me or I won't do it at all. I'll, I, this week I want, you know, to watch sports. This week I don't want to watch sports. I feel like quitting my job. I want a better job. I don't like these people. I'm going to go find new friends. It's just, are you following me? It's a prison. It's a prison of just doing whatever you want. That's not freedom. That's a prison. And it says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So, so it's either death or life. That is not a difficult choice. If we're getting binary here, that's a pretty simple choice. Let's go with life. That's where we get the scripture for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that phraseology because what it says is the wages of sin, that means sin pays you in death, which means you work for sin. See, the wages of sin, the very phrase means that you work for sin. You clock in every day when you wake up. You put your time card in and you think you're going out free and doing whatever it is that you want to do. I'll do this. I'll do that. I won't do this. I won't do that. I'll do what no one tell. Who are you to don't you talk to me? Who do you think you are? That kind of life. You're clocking in every day and you're working for somebody called sin and they're going to write you a check. And when you cash it, it's death. But see, with God, it's different because he says, but the gift of God is eternal. It's not it's not a payment. See, Jesus already paid it. Jesus paid it. There is no payment. You don't work for God. You belong to God. And the relationship you have with him is one of freedom. And he gives you a gift. And that free gift is eternal life. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we either work for sin or we work for God. Which do you choose? Because there's no third option. Now, our free will does not like this. We want to say, well, I, I don't agree with him. I work for myself. Ha ha, you work for sin. <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's no third option. There's no third option. Okay, so I want to try something real quick. This sounded okay in my head. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's going to work. Okay, so let me get Nelson and Bianca. Uh, come on up to the front down here. Sorry, I know it's just terrible when someone just calls you out in the middle of the service. All right, so you're going to have to figure this out. I brought a belt. 
And I brought a belt from the days before I lost weight. So it's like 18 feet long. Okay, so tie that around both of your necks and try to buckle it while I'm talking here. Okay, so fig, yeah, neck. So tie their necks together. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like that. Okay, there you go. They're married and they can't get COVID. So that's, that's the point of it. All right, so now what is a yoke? Okay, so, so when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, what is a yoke? A yoke is something that is designed. You having fun, Bianca? Okay, okay good. Uh, what, what, this is, I feel the height disparity is so, is so, I didn't think about that very well. But the point is, with a yoke, you have two different uh, ox that are yoked together and what they do with these oxen is that when they yoke them together they have one typically that is smaller and that is not quite as strong and they'll yoke it together with a stronger one who knows how to plow so that neither one gets too tired so what it is it's about work and what Jesus is telling you here is that you are either yoked to sin. Now, now try to walk around together. Okay, don't hurt yourself, but try to walk somewhere. I go over there, I go over to uh, Pastor Justin and Amanda. Is that, is that challenging? Look at that, look, look at that. So I want you to imagine if you're Bianca, she's yoked to sin. Sorry, Nelson. <laughs> look what your life looks like when you're yoked to sin. And I want you to imagine trying to navigate through life and you think that you're, now walk back over there. You think that you're leading the way, but sin is just going, oh, you can't get away from me. You think you're doing what you want to do, but you can't get away from me. You belong to me. Okay, but now I want you to imagine now, now this, I don't know how we're going to do this, but turn the opposite way where you're leading now, Nelson. Don't kill each other. Okay. Yeah, you turn that way too. Okay, now do me a favor. There we go. There we go. Now walk that way. Okay. Now look, I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather follow Jesus. I'd rather follow Jesus. Because when you're young, okay, now take that belt off your neck and y'all go sit down. Okay, I'd rather follow Jesus. And when you're yoked to Jesus, he is your protector. He is your leader. He is the one that teaches you and shows you everything that you do. And you're yoked to one or the other. You're either yoked to something that brings death or you're yoked to something that brings life. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He says that. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus says, I'm offering this to you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So rather than living this life where we're worn out and tired because we are leading sin and or, or actually sin is leading us and we're just following wherever it goes rather than leading that kind of life. Why don't we yoke ourselves to Jesus? You know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It, it, this, this kind of thing, you know, and if you're kind of stuck on this, oh, pain is unavoidable. What am I going to do? I hate pain. Uh, burdens are unavoidable. Does that mean I'm destined to carry a burden? Because he says my yoke is easy and my burden. Someone say burden. Okay, so that means there is a burden that goes with knowing Jesus. There is a burden 
that comes with knowing Jesus. That is also unavoidable. The burden of Christ is unavoidable. You're going to have the burden of sin or you're going to have the burden of Christ. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. It means that the burden of sin or the burden of legalism or performance or all those things, you're going to have a burden on you. Do you want a light one or do you want a heavy one? Okay, because Jesus is saying that my burden is light. Let me lighten the load. Let me help you and carry something that will make a difference in your life and in the lives of those that are around you. It means you're destined to carry a burden. But what does it look like to carry the burden of Jesus? Well, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus comes back from the, the wilderness anointed full of the power of the Holy Spirit, about to embark on his ministry journey and his ministry mission. It says right here, he came back and the, his fame went out and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And listen, he made this his own words. He was summarizing what his mission was. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. I, I'm just into spoilers today. My whole point of everything that I'm trying to say today is that when you carry the burden of Christ, your life looks like his life. Your mission looks like his mission. So if you want to know what it means to carry the burden of Christ, if what he's about to say sounds foreign to you, or if what he's about to say is, is on a place that you can't even connect with it at all, please ask God today. Say, Lord, give me a heart. Give me a burden for the things that are important to you because this is what's important to you. He said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. You have an anointing to preach the gospel. You have anointing to, an anointing to declare the good news to people that don't know about the light and the hope of Jesus. You have something that the world needs and the Holy Spirit has anointed you to do it. He has put his hand upon you. He has poured his oil upon you. He has given you the ability to say things that no one else can say. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. I don't just preach the gospel because I can. I preach the gospel because I'm anointed to preach the gospel. You preach the gospel because God has anointed you to do so. When you go into a place or you have a conversation with someone and you say, let me tell you about the power that comes from knowing Jesus. There is a heavenly anointing that is on you. What does that mean? It is a mark that God puts on you. It is a setting apart that God puts on you. It is his stamp of approval. It is his power that is on you to do that mission and that job that he has set you forth to do. That's what it looks like to have a burden for Jesus. To have the burden of Christ on your life is you realize that you're anointed. You say, oh, well, how can I be anointed? I'm just a salesperson. You're anointed no matter who you are. You're anointed no matter where you go. You're anointed no matter what you do. Every person that sees you senses the presence of God on your life or they don't. Well, there's something different about him. That's the anointing. He don't talk like every, that's the anointing. 
He don't, how come he don't go where everyone else? That's the anointing. That is what it means to be anointed. And this is what Jesus said about his mission. He said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not just poor financially, but people who are just broke down. They're just poor in their spirit. They have no hope. They have no encouragement. They think life is about all these material things that are around us. They think it's about fixing up the world the perfect way that society says we should fix it up. But there's no hope and there's no life in that. And it's preaching to those people. It says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This has to become our mission, y'all. Who can I help today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I lift up today? You know, who, 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 who can I tell about Jesus today? Who can I bring joy to today? Who can I smile at today? I just love, you know, I just love encouraging people. And I love when people encourage me. I don't care if I'm at a gas station. I'll just, I'll just go up to someone and say, hey, buddy, how you doing today? Hope you're having a great day over there. You feeling good? What you up to today? And they'll just look at me like, are you stalking me? <laughs> just say, you know, uh, well, I'm just on my way to work. Yeah, well, you know, just me too. On my way to work. And I just felt like, you know, Lord wanted me to come over here and tell you it's going to be a great day today. Just, just be, encourage you, let you know that everything's going to be okay. You know, just shine for God. Just shine for God. And no matter what you say, that's corny. Good. I want to be corny if that's corny. Just chalk me up as, a, as the corny pastor. I mean, my gosh, my sermon title is The Yokes on You. That's where it's pretty unavoidable at this point in my life. It says, heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives. Deliverance. That means there are people that are in bondage that need to be set free. This becomes our mission in life. You say, well, I don't have the authority to do that. It just said you did. Who am I to do it? You're a child of the living God. He bought you. He paid for you. He so loved you that he sent his son. He so loved you that he also sent the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To be my witnesses. What does that look like? When you see someone that's bound up, you say, in Jesus' name, you're delivered. I come against what's coming against you in the name of Jesus, and I stand with you. Walk free in the name of Jesus. Live free in the name of Jesus. You start doing ministry rather than talking about ministry. You start doing ministry every day. Not just in this building, but between the Sundays. That's what it looks like when Christians are consumed with the burden of Jesus. Recovering of sight to the blind. Yes, people who have physical problems that need physical healing. It means that you have the ability in Jesus' name through faith to be an encouragement and to release healing into people's lives. It also means that people that are spiritually blind, to to bring sight and vision. Look at someone next to you and say, I want to bring vision to others. You can bring vision to people. You know, one of my favorite comments on Southern Gospel, and I told you that I didn't hire any person on that movie because they were a Christian. I really didn't. One of the reasons I wanted to get into filmmaking in a general sense is I've been in the church world for so many years and dealing with uh, nearly exclusively Christians in almost every arena. I wanted an opportunity through art 
to do a project that is a, a project that's about my dad's life. Faith is interwoven in every aspect of that script. And every person that was going to say yes to the, the movie eventually was going to have to read the script, which means that they've seen clearly what, what it's about. Yeah. They're going to have to make a decision if they want to be involved with it. So I wanted to be around people that didn't know God so we could do this. I wanted to see what it's like. And I, I watched people and heard people and had people come up to me after it was over with who have totally different lifestyles than me. Even today have totally different lifestyles than me. I mean, one person who is a staunch atheist, a staunch atheist, I know this for a fact, wrote me a letter after it was over with and said, and said, I just want to let you know that being around you has shown me what it looks like when someone acts and looks like Jesus, when someone acts and looks like Jesus. This, this is a person that is like pretty, no, I mean, you, you could Google their name and lots of stuff would pop up on things that they've done. So, so sometimes guys, it's just that seed that I wake up every day. You wake up every day knowing the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I have a burden for Jesus. I wake up every day wanting to make a difference in people. I refuse to just blend into the scenery. I refuse to just punch a clock every day and just become one of the masses. I want to stand out for God. I want to shine like the stars for God every single day and make a difference with every breath that I breathe for God to set at liberty them that are bruised. There are people that are hurt, that are carrying around wounds and bruises that they've experienced in their life. Man, this is who we're meant to be. This is why we got to live for God. This is why we got to let, let God get a hold of our heart to make us whole people so we can encourage others and help them to become whole as well. We got to live with mission. And it says after he read it, he just closed the book. And he sat down and everybody was just looking at him. And then he said, this day the scriptures fulfilled in your ears. Meaning everything we just read from the Old Testament was about me. And you know what? I got news for you. Jesus said, you'll not only do the things I do, but you'll do even greater things than I've done. So that means everything that he just read is about you. Everything he just said is about you. It's the reason why you should get out of bed every day if you're a Christian. If, God, if, if you have received the gift of salvation, the gift of grace, this is what it looks like to live with the burden of Jesus, to be yoked to, to Jesus. It's a different kind of burden. You know, it, it's knowing him. It's following him. It's imitating him. It's becoming like him. But for many people... Christianity has become less about looking like Jesus and more about a culture. It's more about friends. It's more about music. It's more about a place to gather. It's more about bumper stickers and bracelets and Jesus first, Jesus always t-shirts than it is living this stuff out. God forbid we ever get to the place where Christianity becomes a culture and not something that has radically transformed us from the inside out. That's why in the pandemic, many Christians fell apart. Why? Because it exposed what their faith really looked like. I am just, I can't believe the stories I've heard of people just leaving their spouses and divorcing their spouses and walking away from the things of God and just going absolutely nuts uh, during the pandemic. It's devastating to hear this, but it's revealing that if we're not careful, we will make this all about something that it was not to meant, meant to be about. It's meant to be about knowing and imitating and becoming like Christ. Whether I've got a church building to do it in or not. 
I have to carry the burden of Jesus with me everywhere I go. When you want to reach people and you've got a burden for Christ, you're going to figure out a way to reach people. If you're a, a bass player or you're a, a singer or, or, or you're a business person, you're going to figure out a way to use what God has given you to reach the lost. That's why in the early days with Blink, I was uh, in my 20s and I said, Dad, I, I want to do this, this thing that nobody's ever done before. He goes, well, what is it? I said, I want to do this play every now and then, but we're, we're just going to show people what life looks like. And I, I just need $250,000 to do it. <laughs> That's a burden for the loss right there. You know what blew my mind? When I got the $250,000. And you know what we did? We went and bought lights. We bought cameras. We figured out ways to do it. And I got up there and I, I put things on stage back then that I regret. Uh, just because I was just trying to be, you know, crazy. I was trying to do stuff that no one ever done just for, sort of for the sake of it. And I wasn't really thinking about a lot of things. But at the end of the day, I had all kinds of people say, well, I don't appreciate your method. Well, you know, I like what, I like what. Of reaching the lost. And he said, really? He goes, well, what, what is your way of doing it? She said, I don't have one. He said, well, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. <laughs> See, and to me, when you live your life consumed with a burden for God, you're making mistakes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only because you have such a heart for people that you're trying to reach them in any way possible. You gotta be humble, you gotta admit your mistakes, you gotta ask God to forgive you, you gotta move on, give me bigger vision, give me better vision, you're constantly refining it, but you cannot live that self-centered kind of life anymore. I'm telling you something, if you got a burden for Jesus, you don't have time to think about yourself. You have to spend time thinking about others. And I'm telling you, most of the times that we see people that have fallen, whether it's people that have fallen in the pandemic or just in life in a general sense, the sad part, and I'm not trying to vilify anyone, but I'm saying when we get consumed with ourselves and our life becomes inward, 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 all about us, that is where it ends up. That is where self-centeredness ends up. That is where pride ends up. It never ends up with others. It always has a ruthless, unsmiling, sleepless concentration upon the self, as C.S. Lewis sort of said. I messed it up a little bit. Some of us have no sense of what it feels like to be yoked to Jesus because we keep yoking ourselves back to sin. We don't know what it feels like to be led by Jesus because when it becomes uncomfortable, we go back to wanting to be yoked to sin. And I just want to read, I want to close with this because I think this is, uh, this is pretty good. Luke 19:30. Let me ask you something real quick. Uh, what does God need? What does God need? Does anyone know what God needs? What does the scriptures tell us God needs? Does anyone know? There's only one place in scripture that we are ever told that God needed anything. Doesn't the Bible say that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? I mean, isn't he Jehovah Jireh? Isn't he the one that provides? Doesn't it say that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of life? We, we, we know that God is the source of all good things. So what does he need? 
technically your answer could be nothing. He doesn't need anything. But when you look at the scripture, Jesus says, this is right before Jesus had the triumphal entry. I preach about this on Palm Sunday every year. I love this story. Right before he comes in Jerusalem, he tells his disciples, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, a donkey, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, say what? The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. Interesting. We just found something that God needs. Those who were sent ahead and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners added, asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. You know what a donkey is? It's a beast of burden. It's, it's designed and made by God to carry heavy things. God is looking for someone. And you know what? He needs someone today who is willing to get untied. Jesus said, go find it and untie it. It's tied to something. See, you have a burden that is on your life before you get this revelation to something already. You have something weighing on you already. You've been carrying around your past. You've been carrying around your mistakes. You've been carrying around your sin. You've been carrying around things that you can't get off your back. But Jesus today is standing there saying, hey, do me a favor, go find somebody right now and I want you to untie them. And I want you to bring them to me because I have a plan for their life. God's looking for someone to get untied from their old way of living and unyoked from their old way of sin. Verse 35 says, they brought it to Jesus through their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. They started to bear the weight and the burden of Jesus. You know what's amazing about that, that little donkey is when they went into Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem began to cheer and cry, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that donkey probably thought, boy, they love me. That's all right, because you were bearing Jesus. You get to participate in his glory when you bear the burden of Jesus. Somebody who will carry the burden of Christ I tell you something, you can't have the blessing without the burden. You know what, the yoke's on you today. Which one is it? Is it the yoke of sin? Or are you ready to untie yourself from the yoke of sin and to make yourself available to carry the burden of Jesus? Life looks a lot different. It's a beautiful yoke. It's a beautiful burden carry when we carry the burden of Jesus. You were meant for a purpose. You were meant for something great. Life doesn't feel good when it's all about you. When you wake up with a sense of mission and vision every day, you want to make a difference in the lives of others. You want to get involved. You want to volunteer. You want to give. You want to be generous. You just can't keep it to yourself when you're carrying a burden for Jesus. Get untied today from the old way with what it means to carry the burden of Christ. He's waiting for you today. He needs you today. Will you make yourself available? Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? This concludes the teaching. 
If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.